I think that people find it sometimes hard to talk about the challenges that we all have. That you run campaigns, try to put in people's throats, you sing it out loud wherever you can, and yet you see people are making mistakes. But there's a solution for that. And you know, you analyze the data, you understand places that you need to put more effort, and then you go there and you try. You never stop trying to see how you can do it better. Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Behave podcast. It's been a little while since I recorded an episode, so I need to dust off my podcasting voice and get back into the swing of things. I have a fascinating guest today, Itamar from Amdocs. Itamar has been a security professional for over 20 years with a variety of roles from head of cybersecurity awareness and training to security operations manager, as well as working in the Ministry of Public Security alongside other government positions too. Ismar, welcome to the podcast. That's one incredible resume, resume I have to say. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much for inviting me, and it's great to be here. No, fantastic. I think you're the first person that we have had recording a podcast outside. Um, so again, another first. Oh, yeah, right. It's a, I'm sitting in my patio, and actually it's quite nice for podcasts when I think about it. <laughs> good acoustics, good acoustics, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good to have you on. I think as is, again, tradition, we start off with the pizza question. So, <laughs> as is tradition, kind of if you were to choose four toppings, excluding the tomato base and cheese, what would be the four toppings that you would have on pizza? Wow. I had a very nice pizza with pineapple and jalapeno and some more cheese inside. So that will be two more and two more kind of cheese. I think that will do it. <laughs> so... Like a, a triple, quadruple cheese blend with jalapenos. Sweet and spicy. <laughs> Sweet and spicy. Yeah. I like it. So you're a man that takes yeah. pineapple on pizza. We like that. We exactly. like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's a big debate, especially at CybSafe. We have, it, it divides the company over people who like pineapple on pizza and those who don't. So into the main podcast. Mm -hmm. your, your background is, is quite diverse. You, you've held some very um, differing, differing roles, but they all kind of come together, I guess, under, underneath this security umbrella. It's interesting to me from your intro that you could have picked almost any path you wanted in this industry. What was it that made you look towards the more people side of cybersecurity? I think it's a great question, Ben. I think that what made me to decide that I want to focus on the human element is that along the years, wherever I saw, I understood that this is a human problem and not necessarily can be fixed with only technological uh, uh, controls. And this is why I think that pushed me into this domain of investigating the behavior of users in the digital space and trying to provide the fixing, the mitigation, whatever needs to be done to patch uh, our behavior when we are using our uh, digital, uh, digital environment. So you say it was definitely the, I guess, behavioral element that actually made you more interested in, in what you're trying to do and actually trying to help a problem that has only grown as the years have gone on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you understand that uh, at some point that um, you want to look at the problem from that angle and then understand what can be done. And, and gradually I earned more, more and more experience uh, doing that. And then in Amdox, understanding that when you have to deal with so many people, from so many countries with different cultures and, and different sides, different time zones, then you need to see 
how you manage all of this together into a one holistic program of security awareness. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive factor and, and being able to take those considerations of the different cultures, the different backgrounds, the different understandings, the different levels of understandings mm -hmm. of people in those organizations and tailoring your approach to each one. It, it's a difficult task. I don't think I uh, kind of speak uh, very broadly here. <laughs> I don't think anybody has been able to absolutely nail it, um, but we're definitely making steps and, and progressing towards that, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no one uh, one size fits all. You know, we see in the forums of uh, on Indies, industry of awareness, security awareness, uh, security awareness uh, professionals that each company or each uh, domain they're doing they're doing it. You know, maybe differently. So yeah, maybe most are running phishing simulations, but how do you make the incentive or how do you measure it and how how you tackle the challenges may vary from it from from company to company. Yeah, agreed. The kind of the other side of this is you've been on what I would say is the other side of, of cybersecurity and, and kind of red teaming, pen testing, kind of you've done work on social engineering. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that your experience in other areas of security and security operations, for example, has helped you when understanding the human side of cybersecurity? Well, I think it's a great question, but I must say um, you don't have to be red teaming or pen testing or anything to look at the side, at, at, at the problem from the other side in order to defend the problem. It's not a, a necessary uh, a skill that needs to be there. But this is something that helped me a lot to look at the problem from the attacker perspective, you know, from, from a malicious mindset. Oh, how can I penetrate an organization? So when I came to this position, after understanding that and, and having the, the, the track record in, that, in this field, then it helped me a lot to deliver what I think is and what we, we know, the, the, weak, uh, the weaker part in the chain and the, uh, the gaps that we have. It doesn't really matter oh, how many controls, as I said, you put, you understand that eventually it's, it's a, human, human, uh, a human problem. For example, I sometimes give examples of a house, right? Even the house that I'm sitting now, my house. So we have, you know, we can close, you know, uh, the door and we have alarm system and we have, we put all the security, we have gates and we have door and locks and so on. But eventually if I will leave the window open, then the burglar will come in. Same works for our digital environment. So we have these controls and, you know, uh, security, keep us safe. But again, if you don't follow the instructions, if you don't follow the guidelines, if you won't be familiar and aware of the security risks, then you might do the job for the hackers who wants to bypass these security controls using social engineering. Yeah, and making it easier. I think there's also a lot at play in competing for people's time, helping them understand it. We spoke at the beginning about the kind of range of abilities of people understanding mm -hmm. cybersecurity. I know that if my parents were still working now, there would be certain things that they wouldn't understand, stuff they, they probably ask me about almost daily uh, that they think is annoying, but actually... Because I work in this side, I understand, like I know, I care, not just because of my parents, but I want to help them. There's a big element in using storytelling and making it more relevant to help people understand. Have you found this to be true? Absolutely. I think storytelling is not only a, it's not a buzzword that people are using it in the previous few years when I hear it more. It's something that really works. And I can tell you that what I try to do is bring real use cases, real stories from different backgrounds, from different areas, 
and presenting them to my audience. At the end, you wrap up everything and you provide the, the guidelines, right? But most of, the, uh, most of the sessions that I provide, I present the real scenario, what really happened, telling them the story from the human perspective, the person that was, that was fooled by, by social engineering uh, hackers and, uh, and, and, and malicious actors. And then they understand more how it can be done. And one more thing that I do a lot is tell my audience that whatever they hear is also relevant for their individual lives. So many times when I bring keynote speakers or I run activities, it's around not exactly cyberbullying, but around our kids. Because when, when you talk about the kids or our parents that not necessarily know how to create multi-factor authentication, then they are sometimes afraid of the, uh, uh, the digital uh, uh, transformation. And, and I think that once you touch that point and you tell these stories around our private lives and how people were hacked and people talk about their stories as well because we all share the information, then people listen more, they are more attendant, and you earned a great deal of, aware of, of awareness among uh, your people by talking about other things like Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram uh, accounts that were hacked. It's, it's like the, um, the kind of the, the whole marketing thing. It's, it's word of mouth, positive association through yeah. word of mouth. We've spoken also about obviously storytelling. Now, I, I did a marketing degree at university. There are big elements that I find personally that I can draw in from the degree that I did mm -hmm. and, and, and business as well. But there's also things that I've learned. But the marketing side keeps coming back and, and do you agree that the marketing skills in this industry can be leveraged? Absolutely. I think that one of the skills that we miss the most and we lack the most are marketing skills. Many of security professionals don't have that knowledge or vast knowledge about marketing. So we use, we use internal communications and we use uh, all the help uh, that is uh, needed. But eventually, as awareness manager, you have to think in a marketing way. You have to think how you leverage that in order to gain, to gain points. It's, it's about the little things. I will give you an example. We just finished our security, a global annual security awareness week. And one of the things that we did without having, you know, we knew that it will, be, it will work out well, but we didn't know how well it will work out. We gave people ink shirts with our logos and with our uh, messages. And it was a very uh, strong pink uh, color. And so you saw many people going with these shirts and then everybody wanted these shirts and related to security as well. So it, it made the work amazing with a very uh, low investment. Of course, we had many more activities, but this is just one example that works out very well. Uh, we did not need to do anything other than just buy the shirts and give them to, to people. It's like um, branding. We've spoken in, in other podcasts about the importance of branding and having a brand internally. I've spoken many times that I used to use a little um, Space Invader uh, while I was um, at my previous role in Dyson. And it was great. Yeah. As soon as somebody saw that, they knew. They had that association that, okay, I've seen a Space Invader. This is going to be something related to cybersecurity. People wanted badges. We had T-shirts and saying, hey, where can I get one? It, it's, exactly. um, it's a funny one because when you're looking at all these technical things and all the things that people have done, when actually, if you just bring it back to people might just want a t-shirt, it could do you an incredible amount for your program. Yeah, absolutely. People love giveaways, but that was something that they wear, not a bottle or discount key or something that is very popular to give at conference. 
This is something that people wear and then everybody see it. So it's, it's very noticeable. Also in the past, what I did is I created magnets with guidelines on how to be online safe, safe online. And the idea was that when you receive a magnet, what do you do with it? You put it on the door, you put it on the fridge, and then it's there. It's there forever. You don't take it out. It's a, it's a very nice magnet. Then the instructions with the logo, with, with Ambox and all that, is there all the time in their own private, uh, private homes of the employees. So that worked very, very well in the past. That's interesting. I like it. I collect fridge magnets from places I visited. Yeah. But maybe I need to maybe I need to come visit Amdocs and get a uh, get a cybersecurity one from from you guys to stick on my fridge. And parents for kids do not want to remove that magnet because it provides guide, guidelines on and, and tips on how to you know how to instruct your kids to you know to browse safely and so on. Yeah, yeah, I love it. There's um there's a big element here of creating a better perception of security. Is there anything else that you? would like to share that you've you've done or you've seen work really really well or has been actually surprising when you take the the campaigns that you run and you try to go to a massive audience because you know you want everybody to join sometimes you have uh, over motivation uh, to invite everybody but then it's less customized right and when you do it with a business unit and it's more customized it's more for their own groups they feel more comfortable to ask questions regarding their own day-to-day. So if I could divide myself into <laughs> many, many Itamars, <laughs> then I would, do, I would do many units. But I think when you do it for a smaller business units or small groups and not to everybody in one go, then you might earn more points and, and make that change. They will remember you better. That's really interesting. Going back to being noticeable, you know, to be the coolest guy, the coolest guy in the, uh, you know, in, 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 in the room to sit in the back seat, and, you know, and, and for, for, for the organization to look at us, security, as a friend and sometimes uh, someone uh, or a partner that they can bring out security in a very emotional and, and creative uh, manner. For example, we've run many times uh, uh, security using VR headsets. We had uh, uh, cyber escape rooms, uh, so people will experience a, a, a cybersecurity through gamification and so on. And, and then they remember it. They don't only remember you, uh, um, you know, blocking access or uh, providing permission for this and that, but they also remember you as a uh, organization that provides a very positive experience. And by that, you earn more trust. You earn more collaboration, you earn more uh, commitment from your colleagues to join the, the security journey and do it together. Yeah, I feel perhaps some, sometimes people approach it thinking, oh my goodness, my entire company's culture is just so far from what I want it to be around cybersecurity and secure practices. It's like somebody going running and looking, they've got 21 kilometers to run and they look at the whole run and going, oh my goodness, I'm so over the face. But if you actually break it down into a kilometer by a time, they take on quite quickly. It's similar to how you might do little things inside the business, like running a, a VR show, uh, having little talks. Mm-hmm. It all builds that trust and contributes to it. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Culture change, people have written books and are still writing books on changing culture. It doesn't happen overnight, but no. it is something that definitely, like you were saying, the activities that you've done in the past and the things that you have been doing is trip feeding and building that trust constantly. 
Yeah, and I think that you know there there are many challenges around that. For example, you, you talked about uh, changing culture and creating the brand. Think about employees that come and go. Someone told me that what, but employees what they don't learn, so they learn and they implement. But you always have new blood in the system. You always have people that come from different organizations, from different backgrounds, from different cultures. So for them, I look at them as I need to be you know to start from the beginning. So always go back to the basics. And with the advanced level, with people that know more, people that are more, you know, that have uh, other challenges around security, uh, they, uh, they get a more tailored program, tailored plan to suit their needs, their requirements. It sounds like you have a very good level of support from business leaders, senior managers, yes. management in the business. Was there something that you did or a few things you did to, to enable that? Was it pre-existing before you arrived? Is there anything that you could share? When I arrived, we, um, we decided that we need to establish the, the entire program. Uh, I think that awareness programs in the past, in the past, I would say like what, five, six, seven years ago, probably, you know, answering the ESO and, you know, doing the, uh, the basics. And I'm happy it's, it's been, you know, evolving. But yeah, we, we had to build it more or less from scratch and improve it and bring it to a maturity level that we are, we are more comfortable with and we know that uh, we, are, uh, uh, we are running these, uh, these security awareness programs. And absolutely, we receive and receive a lot of support from our leaders and there's a, there's a commitment and, and absolutely, yeah. That's good. It's good to hear and it's good to see that, that it is becoming more of a thing that is talked about more time in board meetings, et cetera, is getting dedicated to actually looking at human risk and, and analyzing it. Mm -hmm. For our audience, I think they'd be really interested to know if you had to give three pieces of information, methods that you've used, tools that you've used in your more recent roles that focus on the human element and awareness and behavior, culture change perspective, what would those be? Well, I try to divide my program into uh, three main areas. One that will be uh, the compliance that uh, each company has to fill and to understand that the annual training and you have the new joiners and the uh, uh, other uh, compliance you must, you must run and you want to run. <laughs> the second thing is the, what I called security culture. Activities that the measurement is, uh, is partially is important to, you know, uh, to run it all the time. For example, we make sure that in our a weekly newsletter of the company, we will have at least twice a month items uh, concerning security. So you want to be there all the time, okay? And measuring how many people open the item or how many people open the newsletter is nice, is okay, but it won't necessarily give me a lot of value or how this reduced a, a human, uh, human error or uh, mistakes that, people, that we all do. But from these kind of activities, you can learn uh, and we try to measure it, what people like, better. For example, if you, know, if you uh, uh, promise, uh, I don't know, a new iPhone or, uh, or something else, then people will, will be engaged more. But we, you know, incentive is something that needs to be used every now and then, not all the time. Uh, the third area is uh, around um, what I call human risk reduction. Understand, you know, from uh, phishing simulations, if we are doing better, from uh, other controls that we run and measure uh, how uh, people behave like uh, data leakage prevention and so on, then we can understand if there's, there's a reduction, uh, try to relate it to activities that we do and understand if it has an impact. It's not 100%, 
uh, no one no one can really uh, uh, guarantee this a hundred percent in in anything in security i think but it gives you a good feedback whether you're on track or not i really like that last point is is being specific in deciding what you want to measure how you want to go about it what are the risks it, it's addressing i know we have spoken at length about zdb and the security behavior database but being able to identify okay these are the behaviors i want to to potentially um, positively influence and i now need to go out and find out in the business how do i want to measure that you, you mentioned data leakage and obviously you can go to your if you have a data team or a data loss team or whoever mm-hmm. it is they can monitor dlp tools that will be able to tell you okay this is what we look like now you can then help them say right i want to actually help you prevent potential loss of data but also how many people are sending things that are classified outside of the business etc you can take a, a point of where you are now the snapshot understand mm-hmm. the data what the measurement is run the program run comms run campaigns whatever that looks like and then you measure it again it's so important and i don't think it's been done enough perhaps in the past it's not being done enough i think there's a huge challenge with measurement or measuring human behavior when you understand that there's a, a human problem with a human solution and you need to <laughs> you need to measure it then you look for things that are not necessarily can be measured uh, what i did is that we created a dashboard that is providing us all the insights from from data sources that we define or predefined uh, we improve it all the time you know we then we can calculate human human risk score and 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 understand you know we rely on on components that are reliable and also can provide us that insight uh, as i mentioned before we run campaigns and and send a newsletter this is not necessarily something that uh, i mean i would consider it in my human culture a measurement but with a human uh, uh, risk reduction i would measure more learning and phishing and other uh, other means that we use to train our employees. We often talk a lot about the successes of cybersecurity programs and how great it is and how we shine. But actually, it'd be interesting to hear, okay, well, actually, some of the, these are some of the things I've learned. These are where I've, I've, I've kind of failed in, in inverted commas. Is there anything you could, you could talk about on that? I think that people find it sometimes hard to talk about the challenges that we all have. And I think whoever is you know, listening to me now might identify with it and, and feel... Uh, that it happens to them as well. And there's a lot of frustration in their security awareness that you run campaigns and you try to put in people's throats, you sing it out loud wherever you can. And yet you see people are making mistakes from phishing to not completing learning to doing other stuff. Doesn't matter. You don't understand what, what's going on. I'm doing it so much. Sometimes it's just frustrating, but there's a solution for that. And you know, you analyze the data, you understand where are the places that you need to put more effort? And then you go there and you try. You never stop trying uh, to see how you can do it better. Try to, not to invent the wheel, to improve it from year to year, from month to month. I love that. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very important piece to, to iterate, to learn from how you've done it, change it up if it's worked. Brilliant. If it hasn't, how can you make it different? No, it's a really, really important point. Yeah. Yeah, a really, really important point. I think actually... A great place for us to, to to wrap up and and close things off. I think there's that we cover some really interesting <laughs> parts and things that actually haven't been touched on, perhaps in the past in in, in other episodes. And it's actually really mm-hmm. encouraging to see how Amdocs are 
doing things and then hearing about how you have started running your program and, and, and how everything else looks. Yes, absolutely. I, uh, I don't think that uh, companies uh, that are publicly traded, that are, have a massive footprint, I, I think most, if not all, have a, uh, a re- relatively mature uh, security awareness program. But it's, it's about how you run it on a day-to-day and what innovation and new tools and you know, new methods that you bring to the table to make it even better, uh, uh, to make it you know, shine and bring winnings. <laughs> No, I, I totally agree. And this, this innovating part is so, so important. A really good point to finish on. Ismar, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been mm-hmm. an absolute yeah, um, pleasure sure. and super interesting. I, I'm sure maybe we'll have an episode too at some point soon. Absolutely, no problem at all. I'm here. <laughs> Thanks, Ismar. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. That's it for today's episode. If you would like to find out more about CyberSafe, SebDB, uh, and a number of other resources, head to www.cybersafe.com. And I will see you next time.